Welcome to On the Middle East, our monitor's podcast on the big stories in the region. This week, I'll be discussing the latest twist in Turkey's orange lighting of Sweden's accession to NATO. The accepted truth is that Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan signed off on Sweden's membership of the alliance during its latest summit held in the Lithuanian capital Vilnius earlier this month. In other words, that it's a done deal. Not quite. Erdogan said that he would ask the Turkish parliament, where his party commands a majority, to ratify the agreement. However, he added, the Turkish parliament was going into summer recess, so this probably wouldn't happen before October when it reconvenes. And therein lies the rub. Erdogan has the power to call parliament into session whenever he pleases. So what is holding things up? The answer lies in the US Congress, which has banned foreign military sales to Turkey over its acquisition of Russian S-400 missiles and its invasion of Kurdish-controlled northeastern Syria in 2019. Turkey wants to buy F-16 fighter jets from the United States, but several ranking senators, including Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chair Bob Menendez, say Turkey has to ratify Sweden's accession before it permits the sale. With us here to discuss congressional thinking is Endi Zemenidis, Executive Director of the Hellenic American Leadership Council, a Greek-American organization that among its policy priorities is the America-Greece bilateral relationship. So welcome to our program, Andy. Thanks for hosting me, Amber, and great to, big fan, great to be with you. <laughs> Thanks, Will. The feelings are mutual. So you had this really excellent, incisive uh, piece in Ekathimirini, uh, which is a Greek daily, very prestigious Greek daily, uh, where you say nearly two weeks after Vilnius, and after countless headlines declaring deals and discussing details of alleged deals, Sweden is still not a member of NATO. And the administration has not secured the clearance of congressional holds for an F-16 deal to Turkey. So, Andy, it's very weird, though, isn't it, that, you know, when you read the newspapers, when you listen to Western officials, uh, they seem to suggest the opposite, that, you know, Turkey has signed off um, on Sweden's accession and everything is hunky-dory. So what, what what is actually the state of play? What are you hearing in Washington? Well, that 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 piece, and uh, if you look at the title, I said cut, cutting through noisy diplomacy. Turkey, Erdogan has been in expert, uh, as another one of your guests, Howard Eisenstadt has called them, an uh, expert in noisy diplomacy. And I think we had a lot of that. Uh, there, uh, th there was like a tipping point in this, in this process. And I think it was that Sunday evening before the NATO summit call uh, between President Biden and President Erdogan. 
clearly either U.S. Embassy Ankara or the National Security Council or both had told Biden, hey, Erdogan is signed off. Let's let's do a call, a congratulatory call. Right. Because there would have been no other reason for that call uh, since Biden and and Erdogan had a sideline visit uh, at Vilnius. And that call went horribly. That everybody, it's an open secret in in D.C. I think Biden was prepped with uh, congratulatory talking points, probably the same talking points we all we all heard uh, when he sat down with Erdogan. And Erdogan from the get go said, "No, Sweden's not ready." And by the way, we have other demands, including you pushing for our EU accession. The the very next morning after this call, uh, the Axios uh, lead was about President Biden's hair trigger temper, uh, how often he uses the, the F-bomb or directs the F-bomb at certain staffers. So we can imagine with amusement who got that treatment after his disastrous call with Erdogan. Uh, and then in less than 24 hours, we saw Erdogan, you know, flip and and say okay sweden is ready and we saw really no substantive move uh you know sweden saying yes we'll cheerlead for you within the eu that that's not a substantive move sweden has always cheerled for turkey's eu uh accession so uh i think there was this clear communication from dc we won't be able to do anything with you. The or else started coming into focus. Maybe we will cancel the meeting at Vilnius. Maybe we won't even talk to Congress. But let's let's uh, now think about the mood in Congress, because I think a lot of the writing has focused only on Senator Menendez. Uh, clearly, he is the chair. Uh, he is particularly powerful. He's particularly outspoken, and he's been principled. But it seems to me that people are missing the fact that there are four holes, all four, even the two who uh, the two in uh, the the two Republicans, the, the ranking member on the Senate Foreign Relations, Jim Risch, and the House Foreign Affairs Chairman uh, McCall, they have said we'll start the conversation once Turkey has signed off, once Sweden is in. Uh, Gregory Meeks, the head Democrat in the House Foreign Affairs Committee, has actually been closer to Menendez, saying that the Aegean and Turkey's belligerence within NATO is a, a huge issue for him, too. So right now, as we stand, all four holds are still on. It's not only the administration versus Menendez. All four holds are on. Sweden is not in. So this is a bit like high noon, you know, where... Erdogan wants Congress to go first and say, okay, you can have your F-16s. And Congress is saying, hell no, you have to first sign off on Sweden's uh, membership of NATO. And even then, you know, there may be more asks from our side because we keep hearing concerns being articulated about Turkey's aggressive behavior, though uh, it's also been noted indeed by Greece, the Greek government, that Turkey has sort of halted those overflights over the Aegean islands. So there is obviously some kind of de-escalation. Then you had the meeting between Erdogan um, and Mitsotakis uh, in Vilnius, and there's talk of another meeting perhaps um, in in New York, right? So yeah. do you 
agree with um it sounds a bit like a conspiracy theory but then hey i'm turkish you know that's how yeah. we think um you know greeks have the same conspiracy <laughs> yeah <theory>. hey <laughs> yeah, we're all the same would yeah. you say that w where things currently stand greece kind of holds at least one of the keys to getting this deal through because if greece were to turn to you know the congress and say look we're having this conversation with Turkey. We believe that Turkey um, has sort of changed tack, wants a good relationship, has, you know, set aside that aggressive posturing that we witnessed in the Eastern Mediterranean. So don't worry about us. We're, we're, we're good. We're okay. Do you think that would help? Because after all, let's not forget that things between Turkey and Greece got even hairier after Mitsotakis went before the Congress, right, and said that he was concerned uh, about Turkey's aggressive uh, behavior, which of course really triggered Erdogan and things went rapidly. Well, Erdogan, yeah, Erdogan says it triggered him. But if you look at, and the stats are out there, if you look at the four month period, uh, prior to Prime Minister Mitsotakis' speech and compare it year on year, compared to the four, the same four-month period in, in 2021, you see that the escalation had already started. Uh, in fact, interestingly enough, you, we, can, we can date the escalation to Greece's signing with, uh, with the United States of an updated mutual defense and cooperation agreement. Uh, which was at the end of 2021, October 2021. So the escalation almost started immediately after, and it actually uh, fits into this narrative that we heard a lot of, uh, especially during the election in Turkey, uh, of the U.S. as the main enemy, not Greece. Erdogan, in fact, uh, threw out illusions of Greece is a stuntman in someone else's in someone else's play right so this anti-american sentiment and of course think about how critical the mdca and the us's kind of forward-leaning approach to military new military or expanded military installations in greece uh, how that may even change turkey's strategy in that region and one of the bases covered in his new mutual defense and cooperation agreement, Alexandrupolis, which everybody thought was going to be key, but nobody expected how fast. And the, Russia's war in Ukraine made Alexandrupolis truly the Suda of the North. So now the West lands weapons at Alexandrupolis uh, and takes them up through Bulgaria and Romania into Ukraine. So this, this MDCA... Uh, this and there are other bases. Uh, Suda has become expanded. Uh, in fact, uh, Pompeo's last trip to the region as secretary, he uh, he announced the housing of the only marine expeditionary ship in the region at Suda. Uh, Lamia in in uh, on mainland Greece has become one of the top listening stations and uh, hosts of U.S. helicopters that. Uh, they, they winter okay, in Greece. So we have this Greece envy going right? on. But so, to, to get back to my point about you yeah. know the thinking in Congress and the thinking in Athens and yeah. uh, whether you know would Greece yeah could Greece listen uh, if Greece says there is not a prospect 
for conflict within NATO, because I think this is the whole point. It's not this, as some people say, oh, the Greek lobby, whether it's Greek Americans or Greece, the prospect of a war within NATO is a lot, a far bigger existential threat to NATO than Sweden or Finland getting in or not getting in. All right. Uh, Sweden and Finland uh, are well armed. Uh, Sweden and, and Finland will are, you know, Sweden is a European Union member, right? There's a collective defense provision for the EU as well. And I don't think Russia can't handle Ukraine. I don't know how it would handle a well armed Sweden. But uh, the the threat of an accident, which would escalate quite quickly, and, and we can go back to the EMEA crisis in the 1990s, and let's put it this way, a few years ago, uh, then U.S. ambassador to Greece, today Assistant Secretary of State for Energy Diplomacy, Jeff Payet, was warning about an accident. They were, for, for a year, there were a lot of dogfights, mock dogfights in the Aegean between Greece and Turkey. And by the way, with a less experienced Air Force uh, regimen in Turkey, because most of the Air Force was purged because of the uh, after after the coup, uh, that's not a big area. That's a complicated area, especially since people are trying to navigate what is international waters, territorial airspace, expanded territorial airspace. So the the prospect of an accident was higher than ever. Um, but here and, and now, and at this juncture, here and now, here and now, Greece would have to. If Greece got up and said, "We feel well defended. We feel like there's guarantees," but Greece is not going to give that away just because Erdogan promised, right? Because last week we saw that he says, uh, "Well, we never used F-16s against Greece," which already is a lie and who we won't so a promise like that will will not will so not what suffice. will it take andy what will it take for greece to tell you know menendez and his colleagues that as far as greece is concerned there is no problem and as and i laid out i i think as i laid out in the in, in the article, and I don't think it's only Greece's decision. I think Congress is looking at this itself. Uh, let's remember the F-35 situation. The F-35s, the first F-35s were legally transferred to Turkey. Turkey didn't behave. They were pulled back, right? I think they, the Congress wants to see a policy by the administration that if Turkey resumes its provocative behavior, it's threat within NATO that uh, there are provisions and it, it is a policy of the United States that that this sale could stop, could be frozen, could be suspended. Uh, they'll let it go forward as long as there's some accountability, as I pointed out. In so you the want article. strings attached. There should be strings yeah, yeah, attached. Yeah, absolutely. Strings, strings attached. And of course, this sale will turn out, you know, F-16s, it's not like going to, to your local target and picking them up, you know, uh, picking F-16s off the, the shelf. These F-16s will will be arriving in Turkey over a certain amount of time. Uh, the, the newest F-16s, the 40 brand new ones, there's a backlog, you know, the, Turkey yeah. may have to wait. To, They're for, talking about a three-year uh, period. Well, 
I actually think three years may be the upgrade. The The backlog for new ones could go all the way to 2028. Uh, well, that, of course, raises the question of whether Turkey would even be willing to wait that long and then in turn decide, oh, well, I'll go and buy some Russian planes. Who knows? But um, so the Russian I actually think the Russian the Russian scenario is a is a complete red herring, because if they if they bought Russian planes, they would be completely out of any joint NATO exercises. Uh, NATO would not let them fly, would not let them participate in NATO exercises with Russian things. I think Turkey's probably most likely alternative would be British planes. Uh, but once again, this becomes a much more expensive proposition. Getting 80 upgrades is a lot cheaper than getting 80 new. And uh, I also, you know, we, we got, we'll have to find somebody to do a deeper dive on this, but Turkey's techno, you know, platform for its own domestically uh, a, a domestically produced jet is based on American technology. So I haven't seen yet the the deep dive on this, but I would suspect that this would would set their their domestic production back to if they were to switch completely away from the from the F-16s. But the Russian thing is a complete red herring. Um and let's put this uh let's remind people because it happened once when people thought it wouldn't and a further russian purchase would be yet another violation of katza which uh, when you're asking about congress that would just give people an excuse to to pursue further okay well that's just you know Turkey. i was speculating so let's yeah. move back to you know reality here and of course the, the other piece here is that greece wants f-35s and my understanding mm -hmm. is um, as part of allaying concerns uh, about Greece's security um, as threatened by Turkey, uh, mm -hmm. they, they're trying to synchronize the delivery of F-16s with the F-35s and that uh, the administration has informally notified Congress of you know both deals and now this has to be formalized, but they won't formalize it until they're sure that it will go through, that both will go through. That's my understanding. So do you, my final question, I guess, is this. Do you think that it's impossible for it to go through unless Erdogan, Turkey goes first and ratifies Sweden's accession? And if it does, will that be enough? Yeah, no. Uh, so the, let's start with that. It will not be enough. Uh, in terms of going first or sequencing, uh, this is... I think you use a perfect uh, term, uh, synchronization. I think everybody will know what the deal is. Uh, it may happen in a matter of days or a matter of hours, but Sweden will have to go first. Uh, and by uh, by going first, and we don't mean you just started the process in parliament, and, and probably... It, it probably means Hungary has to approve Sweden as well at the, at the same time. Uh, now, the Hungarians of Vilnius were asking, hey, tell us when Turkey is going to approve because we don't want to be last. Right. But uh, I think there's a special bro bromance between Erdogan and Orban. And I don't think people are uh, counting out. Uh, the possibility that Erdogan may say, I approve, but Orban is holding it up. You know, uh, so 
Sweden is going to have to go first, but Sweden is is in the Sweden's accession is in the necessary but insufficient. Uh, the and um, and the longer Erdogan pulls this out, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure right now for. Don't give us this. You're waiting for your parliament. You you switch to a presidential system so you could decide what parliament does or does not do yourself. Uh, there 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 is a lot of pressure for him to bring to bring parliament back to do this. Okay. Well, I said that was the final question, but I have just one last last final sure, question. Sure. Sure. And so you know, when you say this, when you say it's not sufficient, are you? Are you guessing? Are you guessing that that's how the Congress will react, or is that your personal view? Uh... No, no. The Congress has been quite clear about this. We've seen Senator Menendez has been clear about the conditions for lifting his hold. Uh, Congressman Meeks has mirrored that. Even even Congressman McCall says, "I want the F thirty fives." Uh, for Greece and the F sixteens, we've seen several members of Congress write this uh, open letters to the administration and encourage their leaders. So in a bipartisan. Okay, so if they manner. get the F thirty fives, you know, I, I don't think they. I think the F thirty fives. So the F thirty fives again are necessary, but not necessarily insufficient. So what and let's more does the Turkey state need to do? What more does? Turkey uh, well, need I don't do? think it's Turkey as much as the administration is going to have to guarantee Congress that they will will somehow react if if Turkey resumes belligerence in the Aegean and the Eastern Mediterranean. Specifically what's wrong with that guarantee take? And I mean this administration could be voted out. You know, how how do you sure, do that? Sure, what 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 sure. how do you do that? Uh, listen again there are, uh, we can look at uh, we can look again at the example of the F35s right there were provisions in that defense transfer agreement that provided for suspension or even cancellation in whole or in part uh, there would have to be a declaration uh, that mirrors the last several the last several readouts we've seen from the from the white house that the stability in the aegean is a priority uh, that's going to be have to be negotiated between the administration and the respective foreign affairs committees but i think it's going to have to be in the form of some type of guarantee directly to congress and if and like you said if the administration decides to or another administration decides to not enforce such a guarantee uh, having a, de a declared policy of the United States allows Congress to do exactly what it did in F-35s, right? Okay, we'll use the NDA or something else to to, to stop the rest of this transfer. Uh, the F-35 was a contract. It started being, and and as much as you know, the Trump administration wants to say, well, we pulled Turkey out of the F-35, it's because Congress on a bipartisan uh, basis was forced its hand. If Pompeo had not done it, there was an NDA amendment that was going to pass. So I think the F-35 precedent is instructive here. And I think uh, memorializing in a defense transfer agreement or some type of written guarantee to the Foreign Relations Committee is what we are probably looking at. Well, Andy, thank you so much for all of that fascinating conversation. And I hope you're enjoying your summer in Chicago. It's getting hot there, you say. 
It's getting hot everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a cool rest of the summer. Thanks, Andy. Thanks. And this brings us to the end of this week's On the Middle East. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andy. And do tune in again for another episode of On the Middle East. Thank you and goodbye.